So on today's podcast, we have Michelle Watson Gomez, women's strawweight UFC fighter, and also investor in Battle Approved. This is the Battle Approved podcast with your host, Chris James. Yeah, so I was just saying, like, so did, did you meet your husband in Albuquerque or did you guys, like, move to Albuquerque together? Yeah, no, it was definitely um, by chance that I met him in Albuquerque. He's actually okay. from El Paso, Texas, and he was stationed in Albuquerque uh, uh, through the military. He was an um, Air Force military policeman. <laughs> Is that the main reason that you moved to Albuquerque because of the gym? Yeah, absolutely. That was the only reason I moved to Albuquerque that... I never in a million years would have imagined myself. I never even knew there was a place called Albuquerque. I didn't think that something like that <laughs> existed. <laughs> I was like, Albuquerque, New Mexico. What is is that in the United States? <laughs> Sounds like more like a tongue twister right. than a place. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, you know, um, Albuquerque is a fight town. Um, there's, mm. there, we don't have, uh, um, like a, a football team we don't have a basketball team but uh it's definitely known for fighting um and that's why i moved to albuquerque because of jackson wink uh the jackson wink gym that became my university and um uh that's where i was able to um uh get a great foundation and and pursue my mma career yeah for people that maybe don't follow mma um, obviously UFC I think it's got a lot bigger over the last two years because that was the only thing going on through the pandemic so so like maybe tell people that are listening like this gym like can you name some other fighters that maybe they would have heard of like I, I know who they are yeah. it would be better to hear <laughs> from you uh, yeah absolutely I mean honestly uh if you know them as an MMA fighter they've probably been through the doors of Jackson Week. So Coach uh, Coach Winklejohn and Coach Jackson are kind of um, some of the uh, pioneers for MMA. Um, so when you think about um, Keith Jardine, when when you uh, Diego Sanchez, uh, John Bones Jones, Rashad Evans, uh, George St Pierre uh, trained with us for 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 quite a while. Uh, and if if you know um, any fighters from the Pride days, we have Joey Villasenor, who is now. Um, our um, amateur coach, um, Holly Holm, I mean, Donald Cerrone, uh, Leonard Garcia, John Dotson, uh, the names goes on and on, uh, Cub Swanson. <laughs> I mean, I think he continues to, to keep going because, if, uh, you know, if, if a fighter has, has a, a good name, they pretty, pretty much come to the gym, whether it's been for one camp, Andre Oblowski, uh, Alistair Overeem, we, we, it's like the who's who gym. <laughs> it's like the Oscar list of something really, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, so we, so were you, um, when you were fighting as an Adam weight, we, were you at, um, at that gym or did you go to that gym after you, um, fighting as an Adam weight or was it li literally from the beginning? That's when you started, like you're saying that was your college. Yeah. So, um, kind of like the progression of my career was, you know, I started, um, I guess I just never really knew MMA existed until I was, I was a, uh, Cooters girl. Uh, that's what I did, uh, going to college to pay for school. Uh, 
So um, as, as a Hooter girl, I, I, I took, you know, jobs here and there. Uh, sometimes I would do like cool photo shoots and calendar um, opportunities. And there was opportunity for me to become, a, to do to be a ring girl for these local fights. And that's the first time I was introduced to MMA. Uh, before that, I kind of thought it was like a hoax. Like I said, it was like WWE type thing. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, I remember just being so intrigued sitting on the outside, you know, walking around the, the octagon with these numbers, just thinking, man, I think that's something I could do. I grew up doing martial arts, <laughs> you know, and I, I talked to the promoter and he kind of laughed me off because you know, I was a ring girl. Yeah. And uh, one of the um, fighters actually overheard me, um, and his his name is Donald Cerrone, and he's kind of the one that kind of you know introduced me into the world of MMA. And he believed in me. He came into my work and said, "If you're serious about fighting, get your ass in the gym." Uh, left his mm -hmm. phone number, and I started training with him in Colorado, and I took a couple of uh, uh, kickboxing smokers. And absolutely fell in love with the adrenaline of it, uh, with the challenge, with um, w with all aspects of it. It was the other side of martial arts that I hadn't really been able to experience. I was always really good at the artistic side, but I needed to uh, test my skills um, uh, against the combative side of, of martial arts. And, and that's what MMA gave me. So I um, stopped going to college for a while because at, at that point I kind of was feeling a little lost and uh, a, a bit misplaced, you know, going to college. Mm -hmm. And um, my grandma was was ill, so I decided to take that as an opportunity to kind of figure out what I was going to do with with my with myself, with my life, with my mm -hmm. with my career after you know high school. So um, mm -hmm. I took a semester off, went to Thailand, and um, took some Muay Thai uh, lessons and it was then that I realized that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a martial artist. I wanted to fight. I wanted to continue to learn and grow as a martial artist to be challenged. So I, I came back to the States. I um, dropped out of college and I, I moved to New Mexico to pursue a career in fighting. Okay, and when you made that decision yourself and that was something you wanted to do, did you just do it and then, like, you know, not tell <laughs> your, your parents about it or, or your, um, yeah. your siblings? Um, you just made the decision and said, oh, by the way, I've dropped out and I'm now, like, going to do MMA. Is that kind of, like, pretty how much it was presented to your family? Kind of, and I think, it, 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 <laughs> it, awesome. yeah, you know, it was weird. Like, it's kind of like, um, I had already made up my mind, and usually I'm I'm very, you know, careful about making big decisions. And I ask people that I care about and love uh, of their opinion. But at this point, like my mind was made up, and I knew what I was going to do, and it didn't matter what anybody else said. You know, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get some backlash because it is not the traditional route, um, but uh, it was what I wanted to do. That story when you were saying like, you know, essentially, I mean, you could have been in the audience, but you just happened to be a ring girl. So it was like that opportunity of being a ring girl that like, introduced you to this scene that you now have a living on. So that's like really cool. I was thinking like, oh, if like someone met you and wanted to be a manager that, and you were thinking it was 
like you didn't know MMA is wrestling. It's almost like you could be like Michelle Ring Card Girl Waterson, you know, like make a gimmick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but this Ring Card Girl actually goes in the octagon and smashes the crap out of it. Right. <laughs> well, that's kind of you know that's kind of how I got my fight name. You know, everybody asks like, how did I get the the fight name Karate Hottie? Uh, but it's kind yeah. of definitely not something that I picked myself. I like as as a hooter girl like i said i traveled around and i did different photo shoots and stuff and i was doing a photo shoot for a company called bikini.com and uh at the time they featured different girls and he found out that i did martial arts and he wanted um he wanted to feature me in his in, in, on his website and he said it'd be awesome we'll call you the karate hottie we'll interview you and all this <laughs> stuff so i said cool you know, it was a quick paycheck and it was fun that I was able to kind mm. of display it, a different side of me other than, you know, uh, me in a bikini. <laughs> so right. um, yeah, yeah. when I started, I mean, that was months before I started fighting. And when I did start fighting, uh, the promoter asked me, uh, hey, you got a fight name? And I told him I didn't. Uh, and he Googled me. And that's the first thing that popped up. And so he took it and he ran with it. And it stuck ever since. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. When when you were fighting, and um, you know, when you first started fighting, like, was there um, women's leagues in UFC when you started? Oh, definitely not. Was... Definitely not. It wasn't. Definitely, that's... Okay. it wasn't even accepted. You know, Dana White would. You, you know, there are interviews of Dana White uh, giving yeah. interviews. TMZ. Stuff. Yeah, giving interviews, <laughs> saying you'll never see a female in the UFC octagon. They, that's not the place they belong, and. Um, definitely he's been able to change his tune since then. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt the same. I think, like, a, you know, a lot of people, like, the early box when you had women's boxing, you know, like, 80s and 90s and stuff like that, it's like you, you kind of felt like your sister was getting hit and it didn't seem right. But, like, now it's in the UFC and as things progress and the skills get better and it's just, um, you know... The, the women's fights like end up being some of the best fights follow us on all socials at battle approved that's at battle approved ufc is the new boxing and off-roading is i don't know it's like the new recreational sport like, i kind of see there's a lot of um you know other fighters and stuff you know i mean you mentioned donald i mean he's got his his bmf ranch and he's like built a utv track for instance yeah he's held, held kid camps and stuff like that and so you know there's a lot of people i think like justin gagey has is, has um he has a i think he has an electric audi like he's really into electric cars and he has like a can-am utv and then you you guys like you, you guys now go out recreationally as well like you've got this um it's Ibex, Ibex trailer, like, they look really cool, actually. Like, they're not that expensive for a trailer, but it's got everything, and it, it's, like, maybe, like, a mid-range tra um, trailer, but, like, it feels like there's more value to an Ibex trailer than what I've seen. Like, would right. you agree yeah, with no, that? They're, yeah, they're great, and because the idea behind the Ibex is that you can take it out pull it super light like under 5,000 pounds so I can I can pull it with my SUV and we could take it out and we can boondock anywhere we want to when we when we go go out and about it has mm. um, solar power panels on top and 
basically it's um, like self-sustaining, which is great. So it's mm. um, something very small and compact, but very, very user-friendly. Yeah. I think I, f I first saw that Ibex brand um, from your Instagram page, and then I kind of looked more into it, and I was going, because I've been to some RV shows. Like, you know, they hold these like RV things in stadiums and stuff in the mm -hmm. car parks and all that. Like, I was almost like going into them and going, they're all the same. They're, they're, the interior all looks the same. Some of it's like a bit plastically and cheap. But like, even from like, say, a cheap one to like a 200,000 or 300,000, you can go into 300,000 one and they're still crappy. <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't spend 300,000 for this. Like I'll get an Ibex trailer and have like tons of money left over. That's right. the, that's the way that's the way in. Absolutely, for sure. And um, you know, it's just it's a, the RV industry is a whole another industry and definitely something I think, you know, BAM can definitely link together with because you know mm. you you have to have trailers to pull these cool cars and if you, you when go. you go on races, you know, you know these teams they have trailers that that pull a bunch of cool toys <laughs> yeah yeah they are toys yeah that's very true presenting the reigning defending undisputed elite off-road featherweight champion of the world chris battle approved James! So of course it's awesome having you being involved in Battle Approved Motors and working with us. Um, what do you think of the whole thing? Like fighting and off-road? You know, I am really excited to continue to move forward and, and, and watch um, Battle Approved Motors grow and flourish. I, I really do believe that it is you know the future and it's exciting to be a part of it um as a baby you know the, in, yeah. in the fight world they say a lot that you see a lot of times coaches come in and try to swoop up fighters that have already been built and tested and you okay. know and they they show them like the glitz and the glam and then and they go off and, and yeah uh but it, it is another thing to say that you've been with the fighter from the beginning and that you were able to build them you know, when they when they didn't have any skills, when they didn't have any money, when they didn't have any fame. So it's exciting to to, to be on board with uh, BAM at the beginning of, of the development stage. So what do you think? I mean, like, so talking about the UFC, the UFC cards are always stacked from beginning to end. And that's how UFC promote their fighters. They promote, like, from the undercard to the main card and spend money on marketing and videos and promoting each fighter but boxing is only about and has always only been about the main event the two fighters right at the end and everyone on the undercard is not promoted or talked about or anything um, plus if you fight in another organization especially up to now you don't really get seen you may be getting the money and maybe it's more about the money but then you know you could be a champion in another league and it doesn't really matter when compared to the ufc so what do you think on all of that yeah i feel like i am kind of split down the middle when it comes to that because i understand the reason why uh the ufc does what they do um because at the end of the day it is a business 
And um, the reason why they continue to grow is because they put money back into the business. They spend a lot of money um, building their platform. They spend a lot of money marketing their fighters. Um, so uh, I, I think that anybody that's fought for other organizations and has fought for the UFC knows what I'm talking about when they say, like, they have the most eyes on them when they fight for the UFC. It doesn't matter if you're a champion in a different organization. The UFC knows how to promote their fighters. And so you kind of have to um, take the good with the bad. Um, and I think that uh, how you do that is you take advantage of the platform that you're given when you're signed to the UFC. Uh, the, the great thing about the UFC is if you show up and perform, they will uh, reward you for it. So you show up and you perform and, and you'll get rewarded for it. And you just make sure that uh, you have all your ducks in a row when you are going to um, in for renegotiations. Make sure that you know what you're talking about. And I think that they will give you the respect. Um, because you have your ducks in a row, they, that you know what you're talking about, that you have leverage, and you you backed up. Basically, you know, uh, you 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 walk the walk, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, it is unfortunate that um, as a professional athlete, you know, our numbers are 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 really sad compared to other professional athletes in, in different industries. Uh, but it is still a very young sport, and you know, I do believe that it will eventually get there. Um, the, the, the unfortunate part about it is that it is an individual sport. And, and fighters, I think, are so busy training to, to be the best in the world, to, to get that goal, that they, they, they don't have the, the foresight to look at their career as a business. Um, and I think what ends up happening is the fighters kind of step on each other's toes and end up pulling each other down back into the bucket, like, you know, crabs in a bucket. It's just like, you know, it's just, uh, that's probably what's the most unfortunate is because it's an individual sport. If, if, if you try to make a stand, somebody else will um, just replace you. Yeah. I think like, if I put myself like, okay, I'm working for the UFC right now and I've got a counter or like do a, a, a counter argument to MMA press going like they should be, but you know, the thing that I find annoying for myself, like, yeah, I, I want, it, hey, I want everyone to like make the best living they can possible. But I think the first point I would say straight out of the gate is like we're paying, say, say is it like, say there's like 13 fights on a card. Is it like between like 11 and 15 fights on a card or something? Like that maybe average 13, 12 or something like that? Yeah, 10 and 12, yeah. Okay, so, so we'll go for 12. So straight off the gate, you're paying 24 fighters money. Like in boxing, you're only really paying the two main guys. And so the MMA press, they go like, um, you know, take the, the highest of higher boxing like 30 million for this person and 20 million for this other person. But then like if you take a really large number and just go 10 million and divide it between um you know 24 people, then that number significantly gets less and obviously down the car gets less. I kind of think the way it's scaled is good. Like of course you want to like sign a contract like a record deal but your first record deal, you're not going to get a million dollars. When you put out your first album, it's like album one, you might get like 50 grand or 25 grand. And then 
if you your album goes to number one and then it's like and then you get all these number one singles you can renegotiate when you have power you can actually renegotiate even if you've done a five album deal and your next album you're going to get fifty thousand. but if your first album sold like two million copies then you can like go well we can renegotiate we can make the advance for the second album like a million dollars now because i've made you so much money and then you hear all these stories like behind the scenes like fighters get extra money then there's bonuses I kind of I th- I th- I think with the growth of the sport and where we're at now, um, I'm playing devil's advocate. But I'm more on the side of like I think UFC's. Well, because you're a businessman, you know, so you see the other side <laughs> yeah, of maybe. it. Maybe it is a yeah. business, at, you know, but it's also like you know you say that, but I don't know what the undercard of a boxing card is getting paid. You know, exactly. But from what I hear, they do get paid pretty good okay. i guess just when i think about it i think about the amount of hours that i put in when i'm training for a fight versus the amount of hours you know some say somebody else that's like fighting you know you know um that that is a professional athlete for the nba mm-hmm. you know um and then when they go to perform i mean if you think of, if you get the person that paid the least amount something that's like a backup i'm sure that they get paid way more and it's guaranteed mm. um for them, whether they have an injury or not, right. um, you know, when a fighter gets injured, they don't get paid. You know, they have to they have to pay the deduction out of their pocket, um, and they're just out of luck when it comes to that. You know, so what happens when they're you know, fighting is a very dangerous sport, and if you have a career-ending injury, then that's it. Then that, now, what do you do as a professional fighter? That's that's all you've done for the rest of your life. Go work at Walmart. Mm. You know. Yeah. So there's no assurance for a fighter, you know, in the career of fighting. And I completely understand what you're saying. And I understand the other aspect of it because I'm a businesswoman as well. I own businesses. I know what it is to not be able to find employees. I know what it is to have to pay overhead. I know what it is to have to figure out the checks and balances. Mm. So I'm not knocking the UFC at all, but there is definitely always room for improvement. Of course, you know? yeah. On, uh, on Instagram... I'm, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. I wanted to listen to a few, but you do. You started doing this character. Is it like Master Yaya? Is that right, or am I saying the last part wrong? Yeah, Master Yaya. It's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's uh. So literally, you're kind of like, um, not making fun of you, mom. It's like respect, but you're creating. You've created this character. And you're now kind of applying that to some of your videos. And I, I, yeah, I know you, I've, I've heard some other podcasts you've been on. And, uh, you know, I think it's common knowledge. Like if, you're, if your parent comes from another country and got a different accent, that the kids are going to make fun of it. <laughs> and so, um, is that a, like, I don't know. I, I, like if I had a question for Master Yaya, I'm trying to think like what I could ask her. And then like maybe she could um, potentially ask. I, I know what I could say. So... Like Master Yayo is like part of the family. So these new businesses that you're in, like how how could she be involved in these new businesses that you're doing? Uh, um, maybe maybe she can like tell everyone maybe some of the businesses that your family's involved in, and then you can give the professional opinion after her. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom is very. Uh, if you ever meet my mom, you'll know that the reason why it's so funny is because it's so true. Her personality is very strong. But she would probably say, like, you know, we have a lot of business, but, you know, Michelle, she has the tire salon, and 
and she don't she cannot afford me that's why i don't work there because i'm the best thai cook in the whole world you know <laughs> <laughs> and i tell her you know you don't you know money you know honey <laughs> <laughs> so so my mom just kind of in, uh, enjoys uh, being the the food critic of all our restaurants <laughs> i was going to say food critic yeah like it's like It'd be funny if she had like her own like Yelp account or something. Oh my god! This, this is very good, but like um, not as good as my kitchen or something like that. Like yeah, no, she she would definitely be a really harsh uh, food critic. So on the professional side, the Michelle Waterson side of things, like what? Like I know that you guys have been opening a couple of things i think you got like maybe a couple of gyms and a couple of restaurants what's what's the style of restaurants and 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 what and is is this all in albuquerque or like around new mexico yeah so um we just stumbled upon an opportunity to um be part owners of these restaurants really really great concept very close to where we live um and so we decided to jump on it we really believed in the team that was behind it to, to push it forward and to make something really big of it. Uh, so we have a taco restaurant called Taco Ten, and then we also have a Thai restaurant called Thai Street, and we just opened up a, a pizzeria, and it's called Forenza, um, and they're all doing very well. We just actually opened up two more locations for the Thai spot and wow. the taco restaurant, so five restaurants all together. Um, and they're doing really well. Um, even in the midst of the pandemic, we have an amazing community that came through, like I said, an amazing team, um, and great food, you know? So, uh, it, uh, if it's good, it, it, it will succeed. What's it like walking? Cause like, if you say you've got five, then you could literally go to each restaurant every night of the week and then just eat at home on the weekend. What's it like walking into your own restaurant? Well, it's hard as an athlete, you know, because a lot of the Oh, yeah, is... I did think of that. <laughs> I'm going like, pizza, Thai, tacos, and then I'm going, oh, yeah, Michelle's a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, they're, they're very, they're very um, helpful when I do go in to grab a bite to eat because, we, you know, we have options to make things healthy. Uh, so... You know, if I'm going into the taco shop, I can definitely have any of the tacos there. And we have a really good um, fish taco, a shrimp taco. And any of the tacos that we have, we uh, we offer as the lettuce wraps instead of um, okay, yeah. the tortillas if you wanted a little bit of a healthier option. You know, all of our tacos are gluten-free. So um, we have great options if you are trying to, to eat healthy. But it's just kind of hard for for me and when i'm when i'm in training camp i have to count my macros and it's kind of hard to count your macros when you go out to eat what's a macro uh macronutrients so it's basically i you know i i just try to stay within certain parameters of my macronutrients so a certain amount of carbohydrates a certain amount of fats and a certain amount of proteins every day and like an algorithm for eating yes absolutely yeah Okay, because there's like there is like everyone's got these special weight loss programs and all that, but it's like if I can remember, I put a heart rate monitor. I bought a not an expensive one. I bought a heart rate monitor uh, for when I go running, and on the first day, I kind of noticed like so. If you listen to your body internally, 
you don't need a heart rate monitor, right? But if you're like, so if you feel really tired and out of breath, then maybe slow down, walk a little bit, and then you kind of keep your heart rate kind of in that kind of zone. Mm-hmm. So I think I do that naturally. So like I only used the heart rate monitor for like once and said, oh, wow. oh I, I'm going like my mind or the way that I think. Like, I don't think I'm going to overstrain myself. So I thought a heart rate monitor was a waste of time. Maybe when you get older, maybe you need it. Like, when you want to stay healthy because you've got to fight and lose weight gradually, not that last bit of water weight thing. Like, obviously, you want to, like, have as less... You, you don't want to, like, do that the night before job where some people are losing crazy amount of water weight, like, dangerously. But if you did things healthily... Is there are certain foods that, oh, yeah, you should probably stay away from that if you want to lose weight, other than the standard stuff like sugar and bread and everything? Yeah, you know, I think that um, everybody's different. Uh, everybody reacts differently to different foods. And so you yeah. kind of, you have to make it a point to really pay attention to um, the way that your body be, uh, reacts or behaves to uh, certain things that you eat. And, and that might be a good reason to track your things. You know, if you're not as in tuned with your body and the things that you put inside your body, I would say um, the best way to, 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 to keep it simple is when it comes to nutrition and all that stuff is to make it a lifestyle. It's don't, don't make it a fad. Don't jump on the, 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 the most, <laughs> you know, trendy diet or whatever, but actually make it a, a lifestyle choice something that you create and build within your everyday habits. Just like every day people wake up and drink coffee, you know, like every day people, you know, stop off, you know, and, and buy, you know, their, their subway before they get home. It, it, those those are habits that they've built into their everyday routine. So yeah. building things into your everyday routine uh, that are healthy choices will, will allow you to, you know, uh, regulate some type of healthy routine. Uh, and then another really simple way to try to eat healthier would be to try to uh, consume foods that have one ingredient, like you said. You like eating apples. <laughs> What's the ingredient in apples? An apple. Oh, you like eating <laughs> bananas. You know, you like eating steak. You know, right. <laughs> what is the thing in hot dogs? There's like 40 ingredients in a hot dog. You know? Right, yeah. That's <laughs> like, I've seen commercials on hot There's a big diss on social media on hot dogs. Like, if you eat, they say eating one hot dog or something can like take a year off your life. Have you seen those commercials or something no, crazy? <laughs> And it's like, I don't know who's dissing these hot dogs, but obviously everyone likes a hot dog. Like if you go to a game or something, but you're right. Like what are those 48 ingredients? Like, like, you know what an apple is, you know what a steak is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like just, yeah, you, you don't want to like buy things really like um, out of, you, don't, you know, microwave meals or pr- all this kind of processed stuff. Right. Um, so really want to kind of like almost treat yourself like, oh, like you're, out in the outback or something and like oh you can pull a banana off a tree you can pull an apple off a tree everything now if it's packaged and you have to twist something or you don't know really what's in it and then if you look at the ingredients you can't even pronounce the ingredients right exactly (laughs) another member of your family like is um like is it a dog 
<laughs> or, a <horse. laughs> or a horse right yeah what 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 breed of um animal have you got <laughs> uh i have i have two i have we have three two. three animals actually we oh, have three, three pets. Okay. yeah oh. so we have a cat and mm-hmm. his name is buddy and he kind of rules the house he's 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 definitely uh alpha for sure um what cats mean i'm not a cat uh, person i always he... think like is he in charge of everyone because he's just mean <laughs> no, I mean he's definitely he picks and chooses who he wants to hang out with and who you know who he wants to spend his time with. Uh, he's the hunter. He goes out and he catches mice and birds and rabbits and. Did he bring them in the house? Of, yep. Oh no. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he's you know he's just kind of this independent, cool cat that kind of just does what he wants. Um, and then we have our great Dane. And he uh, he is just a big doofus. He's kind of just. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have his name is Douglas. And then we Douglas. have <laughs> very like very like sounds like he's been to like something like Oxford in England. This is Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we have Django, who's uh, he's our uh, Dober uh, Doberman. Okay. And he's he's kind of skittish, but he's he's he was our first pet, and he's we love him. That's awesome. Well, th- I really appreciate your time and like um having you kind of part of Battle Approved. You know, the the key thing is is like with the term Battle Approved and how we came up with the name is it's just great to be involved with people that we feel are Battle Approved, which I think you certainly are. Definitely appreciate your time. If I get to Albuquerque, then I know I can go to, like, if I spend five nights there, then I can go to five eating locations recommended <laughs> by the Waterson family. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let, let, let us know anytime you are in Albuquerque, for sure, we'll show you that. All right, sounds good. Take Battle Approved wherever you go 24-7. We're worldwide, baby.